You got the best, the hottest podcast in the world, The Rock Show, with Rocker Mike and Rob Rossi. God damn, Mike, that, that's a fucking intro. God damn, let's talk about this show. <laughs> I guess you could tell everybody we're going to be talking about Kistory. Kistory oh, was Kistory. The, the documentary this week on A&E. What do you think of the show, Mike? Because I'm, I'm I, very interested I, in your I it was, point. Yeah, I, I thought it was excellent. Um, of course, I, I, I wish... Peter Chris and, and and Ace, you know, were were involved, but you know, we'll talk about that why that didn't happen. But uh, other than that, I thought it was well done, and Gene and Paul were very candid. They were they were especially uh, it didn't seem they were sugarcoating too much. Yeah. They, they they actually talked about you know mistakes they made and things like that and stuff they, you know, some of the eighties music that was horrible. They admitted it, you know, and. Yeah. What are you going to do? But, but it's Mike, 50 years of history there. Let me ask you a question. As a rock historian, as a guy that knows a lot, yeah. there were guys that started in New York City, like in Queens and this. Yeah. How the, how the fuck did they want to be in a Detroit band? <laughs> they weren't even from Detroit. You, you know, the the mid, and, and they got into this a little bit in the show. Um, the Midwest broke Kiss. Kiss yeah. didn't break in New York, okay? When they came to, when they played in New York, they played places like Coventry, okay, and then they would play some of the middle-sized clubs, uh, places that aren't even, aren't even there anymore. Um, they were playing small places. Small places, but when at, at some point, uh, I would say right around when Alive came out, the, the live album in '75, they really broke open in the Midwest. The Midwest loved rock and roll all night and party every day okay and it took off across the whole country but it really started right in there Detroit. yeah and well detroit being the epicenter of the rock and roll world in the midwest yeah yeah that in cleveland they were very big in cleveland too so that's why because they pretty much came in they pretty much called they did a song detroit rock city so i guess detroit that was in trip that was it that was in tribute to detroit because that came out on destroyer the next album after the live album. Yeah, and but that live album might have been one of the greatest live albums we ever heard. That's a Well, it is. It is. And we, we talked about that extensively in one yeah. of the podcasts. You know, it's one of the five albums, live albums that rule. Yeah. But, so what do you think of the, how they told the story? What, what do you think? I got well, want to get I, your expert opinion on this. Yeah, song. I mean, I, I, I really, from the beginning to the end, I, I liked it. Um, in the beginning, they, they were talking about how Gene and Paul were uh, kind of outsiders, kind of like, you know, almost like nerdy guys in the neighborhood. They were, they were like, where they lived, they were like the only Jews, okay? Yeah, that's, uh, I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean Gene, Gene and Paul were from Queens, okay? And uh, not too far from where I live, actually. And uh, they, you know, they, they, 
Gene was from Israel originally, born yeah. there. Okay, and when he came to the United States with his mother, uh, he didn't even speak English. So he had to learn English. There was a lot of things in his childhood, uh, language problems, you know, understanding the world around him. It was, it, you know, it was difficult until he really mastered, mastered English. But um, what he loved right off the bat was rock was and the roll. radio. Yeah, yeah. And, and they both said, Gene and Paul said that they lived, you know, with their transistor radios. And that's how it was back then. Mike, so what's your kids' radio? Because I know you all wanted those. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I remember I remember people had them. I never had one. My mother didn't like me liking kids too much. Uh, I did manage to get like some of the action figures, okay, <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> and of course the you know, the records. But but yeah, radio with Kiss written on it. I don't think I was gonna get when I was about seven. Dude, I was surprised the the guy from Food Fighter had it. Like he was talking about it. He was, yeah, I loved yeah. it. He was great. Yeah, Dave Grohl uh, had some good commentary in the whole thing. Yeah, it yeah. was great. Yeah, he's he's a cool guy. Yeah. So let me ask you. You know what? You know the thing that shocked me the most about the show. I didn't realize these guys were like. From somewhere else, I, and then they were for one for Queens. I didn't really think they were even for Queens. Like I learned a lot from this documentary. Yeah, but the thing with Paul Stanley's ear—how fucking crazy is that? Yeah, you know, um, that's that's been around for a while now. He's made that known for for quite a long time. But in the beginning, nobody knew that, and he always wore his hair long so you wouldn't see the ear. And then, like he talked about in the documentary, he went and got it reconstructed. So it, it, I think it, it has more of a normal look now, but he still grows along. You never see his ears. No. You know, uh, I, sometimes he has his hair back and you could see it. It looks, it looks normal, but uh, he had no ear and he was deaf. And I, I guess he's still deaf in that side, uh, on the right side. But um, that was something he had to grow up with. He had Gene being an outsider because he was from another country and then you had Paul. Okay, yeah, he was born here in New York, but but he had something that in the fifties, man. I mean, even when, even in the seventies when we were kids, man, kids were cruel. Yeah, okay. Jesus Christ, you know, it's like you have that pecking order. If you don't look like everybody else, you're going to get fucked with. Oh, it was even it was even worse you. then. Yeah, it was worse then. So I mean, he told the story how the teacher made him go up in the, in front of the class so the teacher can look at the ear. Like, what the heck? You know, right in front of everybody? You know? Yeah, that's what uh, Let me ask you a question. What do you think about um, the original name? If that was the original name, how many albums would that sell with the original names? Oh, 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 you mean with their original names? <laughs> you'd have, well, shit, you'd have to leave the names off the albums. You, you couldn't put it on there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, they had to change their names. When they say that, I was pretty shocked. I didn't even re- I didn't realize how Jewish. I mean, Gene, Gene, Gene's name was Chaim. Chaim, yeah. Chaim, okay. And Stan and Paul Stanley was was his real first name is Stanley. You know, so <laughs> I mean, but they they took an album with that name and they got forty four hundred bucks for it. What do you mean? With the original band that they had. Oh, Wicked Lester. Yeah, because they were <laughs> what they were doing. They were going to um. Electric Lady and Electric Lady is like holy shit. Yeah, they were recording. Uh, the, the first band that that had was called Wicked Lester in the very early seventies, 
Gene and Paul were friends and they had a couple other guys and they were recording there and they actually made an album. Yeah. But then, but then just put, didn't put it out because they felt it was, it was awful. And what, and dude, they had the balls to fire the whole band. <laughs> so they, they were like, nope, then we quit, you know? So. <laughs> yeah, they gave so. the people, oh, but we got a record album. Like, okay, we quit. Yeah. What do you think about the manager and people that ran it? What do you got? What's, what's your opinion of some of those guys? Well, I mean, you know, not too long. The thing about Kiss, before I answer that, um, their rise as a band to fame, or I shouldn't say big fame, but the, the period of time between when they actually got together, played in the clubs, got signed, and put out a first album is a very short period of time. It's like a year. All right. And between 73 and 74. And uh, after Wicked Lester, they, they kind of like, you know, were figuring it out. Then they became Kiss. But um, my buddy, uh, Rick Rivets, actually played, he was in the Brats. And he gave them their first gig in Manhattan. Okay. In fact, they showed the flyer from it. I saw the, that. That was yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it said Brats and it said Kiss right underneath. And it was a loft space on Bleecker Street and, uh, that the Brats used to use to have big parties. You can get a couple hundred people in there. And Kiss had only played like Coventry. And uh, the Brats used to play Coventry a lot too. And uh, Rick had told me that he liked Kiss right off the bat. Like they played Coventry and some people were telling him, oh, they suck. But then there were some people saying, no, Rick, you'll, you'll love them. Go check them out. And he did one night, and uh, he told me this story, and he said they were fucking great. And he said he was with a buddy, and he turned to his buddy, and he said, you know, these guys are, are going to be huge in, like, six months. And that's pretty much what happened. I mean, he gave them the gig in Manhattan, and they got exposed to the whole Manhattan crowd. Not too long after that, they were, they were, uh, they were living up on 23rd Street, right on top of Live Bait where Live Bait used to be. That's pretty funny. Okay, yeah. On, on, right off of uh, 23rd at the bottom of Madison right there. And, uh, you know, they got a manager, to get to your question. They got a manager, Bill O'Coin. And Bill O'Coin, I mean, geez, they, they, they wouldn't have been the band they were without him. I mean, he, he the whole, you know, it, it's kind of hard to, to understand now in the in the in the two thousands, okay, what it was like back in the seventies. You know, Kiss was a mystery. Nobody knew what they looked like. And, and, and that, but that, I thought that was a good thing. And, and that was Bill O'Coin's idea. Yeah, it was a good thing because it it let it it added this level of of mystery uh, mystery to them. Exactly, this level of mystery. Like, who are these guys? And and you know, for the most part, the media and journalists and you know, people in the music world kind of, kind of, you know, didn't break their balls about it, let it happen. Uh, if anybody did try to get a picture of them, the, the camera used to get stolen, taken from them. They always had bodyguards. Uh, I can remember in, in magazines like Rock Scene that I used to read as a kid, you would see like, you know, pictures of Kiss that always be like, oh, there's Gene Simmons. And you know, all you see is from the back. You know, <laughs> you'd never see like, it's, you know, in unless he was in makeup. Okay, yeah. and, and and it was for so many years you didn't know what they looked like, and finally you know they would change that 
for, for reasons we'll talk about. But yeah, that was Bill Coin, and and he and he got them the record deal with Casablanca. Dude, let me tell you, Bill was like a pioneer. Like Bill saw them, and then they got the guy Eddie um, um, Kramer. Eddie Kramer to produce. He was he was one of the main people at Electric Ladyland. And yeah, I mean, and that was part of the de- the record deal. They said we'll sign, but you got to get and us. And then that guy Neil Borgai, what do they do? Casablanca record. Where is yeah. Casablanca right now? Nowhere. Casablanca has been long gone. They uh, they did a little too much coke and a, a little too much business with people with a lot of vowels in their names. <laughs> I love what they say. <laughs> that Gene said that, that, right? <laughs> There's a lot of people with vowels in. I said, oh shit, they're talking about the anxiety. This is fucked yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, and, and, and another thing too, that, that I, I love about kiss, they will, they, you know, the whole DIY, do it yourself, make your own t-shirts, make your own promotion. Uh, the stuff that a lot of punk bands did starting in 76 kiss was doing that in 74. Yeah. That right? was fantastic. You know, and, 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 and I'm going to go so far to say this, that I think to a lot of the New York, punk bands i think they were a big influence i know the ramones liked them okay joey ramone prior to the ramones uh was known as jeff starship and 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 he was in a band called sniper he played drums and he used to they used to play coventry all the time so they did gigs with kiss okay and you know very early on and uh i i think that whole diy do it yourself promote yourself Make the T-shirts, the the logo designs were by them. They did that, they, that was that was like two years ahead of their time. You know what was funny? When they 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 didn't call it a fucking uh, sweatshop. He called it totally other name in the um, biography. He called it like a a a a, 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 a hot spot. Or he called it a different name. But was he talking about that. his mother? Gene was his talking mother, about his yeah, mother. The way he met, I said that's a fucking um. To sweatshop, yeah, yeah. Well, well called, yeah. I mean, that's what Im- he called I mean, a totally different name to make it sound nice. I forget what he said to be honest, but yeah, I don't think he said sweatshop. But he did say sweatshop. But, but he, said he like hot that, shop or yeah, his, it was yeah, yeah. Name. You know, uh, uh, it was a place where his mother got paid like a dime a button. Yeah, to put maybe maybe less than that. Button, maybe maybe it was two cents. Enough money to pay the rent and pay uh-huh. the food. Yeah, they didn't have a lot of money growing up, okay? So they, they you know, Gene, Gene knows what it's like to struggle for money. And uh, I think that has something to do with his, his business sense and the way he operates even today. Do you see those cheap pop his wife got? They had to mention his wife was retired, Sharon Tweed. Sharon Tweed, yeah. Why? Because yeah, he got an eagle. Yeah, well, you know. I mean, I used to watch Family Jewels every week. I thought that was the greatest fucking show. It was a okay? great show. I even liked it. Be- I-, I liked it better than the Osbournes. Okay, I thought it was a better show than the Osbournes, and and I thought that the way that- I mean, it came a little bit a little bit later, but but I I, I love the way, you know, Gene kind of evolved. He's, you know, remember when he's got his book of Polaroids, all the all the chicks he banged. Oh my god! Right? Yeah. And Shannon. Shannon Makes them burn the fucking thing, and then finally they get married in the end. You know? Can I tell you something? I would have never burned that thing. I would say, "Fuck you, bye." Yeah, he's pushing seventy. What the hell is he gonna do with it? You know what I mean? He can still, he can still bang so, hot women. 
Oh, 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 and he did. There was a there was a sex tape around of him in the two thousands, and it was funny. I look on the internet. There, it was it was in black and white. It was in a hotel, and he was he was banging some some young girl, not too young, but some young girl. And <laughs> I'm like, and, and it was funny because like you, you don't see him up close, but you could just tell it's him because he's kind of fat and everything. It was funny, but I mean, getting back to the show. Uh, the reason they got into being into a band was was to meet chicks. You know, why does anybody do it? You know, really. I mean, that's that's one of the main reasons. I still love the explanation that uh, our mothers drove us to uh to the to, to, to the airport, the yeah. and we were going to orgies. We were banging shit. We <laughs> so these guys went from zero to hero because when you Very look at fast. these guys, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, and Ace was from the Bronx, and and Peter was was from Brooklyn. Uh, give a little background on Peter. He, Peter's a great drummer. Yeah, uh, Jerry Nolan from the New York Dolls used to give him lessons. That wasn't in the series. That's no, okay. Uh, he used to give him lessons. I think he was from the Greenpoint area, and uh, Jerry lived around there too, Williamsburg, Greenpoint area, and uh, he he played in a lot of bands before Kiss. He had a lot of experience going back to the late 60s, early 70s, playing in, you know, West Village clubs and stuff like that. Uh, there really wasn't places in the East Village then. Everything was, was more uh, in the West. But uh, an ace was from the Bronx. He's a, a good guitar player. Uh, you know, Kiss, I mean, was, was a perfect fit for him. You know, and and when they put this thing together, these guys gelled, and they they just had this this strange kind of chemistry that that really really worked. And what people forget too is it was a it was a slow grind. Okay, the first album, second Fail. album, the third album, fourth album didn't sell a lot, and and you know they were really struggling by by the time the fourth album was out, uh, Dressed to Kill, I believe. They yeah. they uh they were almost bankrupt. The only thing keeping them af- as a band was was the live shows because in those days, like Gene said, record companies didn't get a piece of the tour. You got that, okay? Yeah, you got so, that. Yeah, so you know the more you the more you toured, the more money you made, the more shows you did. Now it's it's a little bit different. The record companies organize the tours; they're more involved. They get a cut. Um, and of course, ticket prices are a lot more now. But, but Mike, what saved him? That live fucking album. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Which Kiss, is a live album. Neil, Neil, like Neil Bogart, Bill Coin, uh, I believe, mortgaged his house or he was pumping in his own money. I think it was Neil yeah. Bogart that mortgaged his house also, okay, from Castle, Casablanca to support Kiss. And it all came together with the live album and they made money hand over fist after that. It was, there was no stopping them after that for the next couple albums. You know, they, and their, their first, their, just to, just to understand like how hard they, they really worked. Uh, the, the first year. Okay. That they, they, after they, after the first album. So 1974, they did 200 live shows. There's only 365 days in a year. So it was, it was more than six months of constant touring, you know, it was like seven, eight months of constant touring. But I think that at the end winded up hurting them. Yeah, 
I would say that, uh, you know, when and we'll talk about the, the, the first cracks in the, in the band was, yeah. was probably right after the Alive album came out and Destroyer was being worked on. Um, they had done a lot of shows, okay, and they had made a lot of money, and there was a lot of pressure. Okay, now you have to make a really good studio album because the studio albums hadn't done that good prior to the live album. So the record company got them Bob Ezrin. And Bob Ezrin, of course, was known for working with uh, Alice Cooper, Lou Reed, a bunch of others. He was still young, still kind of like not totally corporate. He was still a little edgy. Okay. And uh, he was somebody that was, though, professional. Like he, he he could get a band like Kiss, shape them up in the studio. Because, I mean, Paul admits it. Prior to that album, they didn't know anything about recording their album, even though they had done four. Okay, they didn't know how shit worked, or how to how to use strings and pianos and and other kind of instruments that can enhance the guitar sound. Okay, a lot of people put pianos on albums, and in the production, they sound like guitars. You don't even know. Okay. Producer made them do weird shit out of the box, and he was great. Absolutely, but he, but you know, I think he, he knew. Fucked up and getting high. Well, well, Bob Ezrin knew that this was a group that had a lot of potential. Had you know, just came off a huge album. They were on top, and uh, but needed some discipline. And I think Paul and Gene were ready to go to rock and roll school, <laughs> but but Ace and and Peter were not. Okay. Ace and Peter, in their own words, because they did use some prior interview material, sound bites and stuff in, in this in this documentary. Uh, I, I think it was Peter that said that they they viewed it as, well, we're in a rock and roll band. We want to get high. We want to have fun. We want to, you know, this and that. And and Gene and Paul were all for that, but they also recognized the responsibility that they just had. Would hand it to them basically by being this huge band and a lot of fans and stuff like that. So you you started to see this this rift. Now uh, I mentioned Rick Rivets before, and it's important. I the early years of Kiss, uh, how he was friends with Ace Freely. I could tell a lot of stories that aren't in any books about Ace. Okay, Ace, and not just crazy shit, not bad shit. Anybody to know? But um, when Destroyer was was being made. And they talked about this in the show, okay? Um, Gene mentioned the card game. Remember, Rob? Mm-hmm. Remember, remember the card game that 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 he that he mentioned that the, during, the, the, the making of Destroyer. Yeah, but when, when, when he was he was trying to get Ace to come down and and put do his guitar parts. And yeah, but he, that he, was like that was fucked up. Well, yeah. Okay, and and the thing is, is that's a hundred percent true because my friend Rick Rivets was there. Okay, he was playing cards with Ace. All right, and he said that Paul and Gene were calling the apartment. It was on the Upper West Side. But I think about it. You're making money, and you fucking don't want to come and fucking cut some rib because you're playing a fucking card game. You fucking yeah. idiot. Yeah, that's fucking stupid. So okay, these guys are like they started. Yeah. You know what it was like. Even um, Gene said that. He started believing the gimmick. He was believing that he was a fucking demon. And you know what happened when you do gimmicks like that? You believe it. 
Yeah, well, you believe your own hype, and, and yeah, you and lose yourself. You like... lose you lose yourself in that character. I think Ace, as the Space Ace character, I think he lost himself in it, and and he didn't like the way Bob Ezrin worked in the studio. Nah, he would but, he, he, but, but he would he would he didn't like the way he was. You know, Bob talked to him and told him how to do this and that. He didn't want to be told what to do. Okay, but so I, you know, I told what to do to make a better band, a better group. That's what it was all about, and and you know, it, it's it's you got to walk that line. I mean, look, I've known a lot of bands, and 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 you know, bands that really went nowhere too, and 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 they, you know, you have to have a sense of like, we're gonna try to make it. We're gonna do everything we can to make it, make a good album, make the music the best you can. You can't be like, oh, let someone else do my guitar part. I mean, there's stuff on Destroyer that's credited to Ace, and he didn't do it. It, yeah, was, mo- it was mostly Dick Wagner. It was a lot of them. funny. Yeah. Think about how tough New York was in those days that these guys had to go to Detroit to finally be a big hit. Well, it's not that they went to Detroit. It's that Detroit picked up on it first. Well, Detroit picked up. The Midwest. Think about, really. that. think about that. New yeah. York was very... You know what? Rob, that that if you think about the history of rock and roll, how many New York bands are there? Not many, right? Yeah, not good because Detroit. I think Detroit had the most. You know? Detroit always had a lot of rock bands, but I mean, to me, the biggest. And they also have Motown. Think about the, that. The, of course, and the biggest, the biggest to me, the the biggest, most famous rock and roll bands from New York City, you know, would be like Kiss, the Ramones. Maybe you could throw the New York Dolls in there, but they weren't that big, okay? Uh, yeah, and also his, stuff like his. Anthrax and stuff was yeah. big. You know, they, they made millions. But but really, New York is not, as far as signing big bands that make it to multi-platinum status, they, not really. Not really. You know what's funny? I guess New York had more better hip-hop yep. artists. Than Disco in, that, in those days, R&B. Hip hop, more of that flavor than than you know. In the seventies, it was either rock or disco, right? Disco was yeah. huge in New York. Mike, you know? what do you think of that fucking disco album that Kiss took out? What do you? Well, think it was about the one. That? It's the one. It's not an album. It's the one song I was made for loving you. I, I, you know, when that came out, when that came out, everybody. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. When when that came out. Uh, Everyone was like, oh, fuck, they sold out. But for some reason, the song became a big hit. First of all, I think it was, I think it was a top 10 hit. It might have been one of the biggest hits at that time. They still play it live. Okay? So you want, you want to crack up. Okay? You want to watch something funny. It, it's, it's, it's Scooby-Doo's Rock and Roll Mystery. Have you ever heard of this? No. Okay, it's a cartoon that came out a year ago. It's Scooby-Doo meets Kiss. And they oh, and they right, have yeah. a it's it's like that it takes place in an amusement park, and they're fighting this witch that's in, from another dimension, and there's a scene where something happens with the witch and and, and the Scooby Doo characters are all like to 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 Gene, you know, what are we going? What are you going to do? And all of a sudden, he just pulls his bass out, pulls a pick off the bass, and starts playing. And it's I was made for loving you. And it turns into this whole fucking. It turns into this whole fucking thing. And, it's, it's, and they're chasing. They're chasing. The witch is chasing them. 
and you know Shaggy and Scooby. It's fucking funny, man. But uh, yeah, uh, Scooby Doo's Rock and Roll Mystery. Check that out. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> but by you being like a, a rocker, what do you think of this song? Like it was a, I I. I you know I like the, the song. Is? I, I, love I, the song. I, I, I like it. It's not. It's not one of my favorites from them. But but no. But, but I love the song. And then when I yeah. realized, kids sang this. When yeah. I, I'm looking for Abba. I'm looking for. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You would think it'd be something. The no, it's, song. It's, right. Right. Exactly. I mean, that, the like last. One of those things. If, if you remember the, what one thing that, that it when I they played that song in trivia, Abba. No, it's kids, motherfucker. <laughs> You know, one thing that they left out of the documentary that they didn't talk about was the movie Detroit Rock City. They didn't talk about making that movie. And I don't think they did. I didn't see it. Was and, that the newer movie with a bunch of people? Because I know people that were the yeah. actors. That movie wasn't that. But they I did love that. their own movie. I, I love that movie. That's the movie with um, Ed Furlong. Okay. And he, it's like a bunch yeah. of kids. You that, it takes place funny? in the 70s. Yeah. One of the actors in that movie was my manager at Boss Tweets. Who? Um, I don't got the guy's name, but the guy's name was Jack. He was the guy that was the guy with the, with the long hair. He's wearing the... The stoner? The, huh? The stoner kid? Yeah, with the long hair. He had this weird smile. He was yeah. doing... Uh, yeah, so that guy was my manager. At, Boss uh, Tweets? I didn't ever saw that guy at Boss Tweets. Oh, yeah. He didn't I... go where he was there. He was the manager. But he, had, oh. he was the guy with the real long hair. He wore a, a, a stock cot. It was yeah, he, he wore a, wall, a woolen hat on his head. A wooden hat, and he was yeah. in that movie. And yeah. He was my manager for a few years. Oh, shit. Wow. Well, I love that movie, and there's a He's scene the in that, that movie. Scotty's, he got pissed off Scotty, and Scotty huh. just put his dick out, took a piss in the corner. Uh. <laughs> That's how crazy we get. I have to talk to Scotty about that one. Oh, Scotty uh, would tell you that whole thing. Oh shit! So, so when they they didn't talk about making that movie for some reason, I thought that that was a great flick because the band was was had reformed. This was in the late nineties, and uh, I want to talk about their eighties stuff for a minute. But before we do that, I'll talk about this. When they had reformed, um, that movie had come out. OK, so they were on like, a, you know, a, a, the original band tour in the late 90s. And uh, th- it's just a great movie about these kids that are trying to see Kiss. And they get it's a little <laughs> bit like rock. I it's a little bit movie. like I rock and roll high school. Kind, kind of plays like rock and roll high school a little bit. Yeah. And, and I, I enjoyed the fuck out of that movie. But I got to um, tell you, rock and roll high school was a much better movie. Yes, it was, but but I still like Detroit Rock City, and and, and uh, I remember when Gene was out promoting that he was on the morning shows, and he had he was showing the um, the promo poster for the movie, and it's very similar to the promo poster of Rock and Roll High School, and I forget oh, yeah. if it was Regis or something pointed that out, yeah, and and he's like, oh yeah, absolutely, he goes, we're we're big Ramones fans, we definitely took that from Rock and Roll High School. But yeah. Mike, how about the comic book that was done by the Marvel with, comic? It was with done their by blood, his blood. With, yeah, yeah, I remember that, <laughs> and I had, I had, I had that, I had that comic book. Okay, and and it was supposedly like they 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 each gave a little bit of their blood to be mixed in with the ink. Yeah, 
what, let me tell you, what do you think of the Kiss movie? Oh, God. Kiss meets the Phantom. <laughs> God. You want to talk uh, about shit show? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that, you know, Gene was saying how when they made that, they were basically breaking up at that point. You know, uh, Peter yeah, left. Peter, to each other. Nobody was talking to each other. Peter, Peter left not too long after that. Uh, you know, Peter and Ace, like they're in the movie, but then they're not because they, a lot of times their stand-ins are, are playing their roles because they weren't around. It and was, uh, yeah. it was that, and they look nothing like them. You know, and it's true. I mean, I noticed that that was a TV movie, okay? And I yeah. can remember it was, I, I swear to God, I think it was on Channel 7. I think <laughs> like, like, like after the fucking Hardy boys, Nancy drew mysteries or something, they put it on, on a Sunday night or a Saturday night, whatever that was. That was, that was the movie that Sunday night movie. Yeah. That's what it was. And, uh, it's, you know, I, I haven't seen it in a long time. It's on that. It's on the kissology volume two. And I have that somewhere, but, um, it's not stuff that I go to, but it, it, it's got its moments. There's some funny scenes in it because the live scenes are great. Okay. Them playing live are great. Okay. Um, but the, the interactions, just whatever plot they got, I don't know if you want to call it that. Okay. I mean, it, I love B movies, but that's like a, a Z movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but what, one thing I got to mention that I liked uh, in the second part is is when Gene was talking about how um, a lot of their eighties music just sucked, basically. Okay. Yeah. And they they admit that. And uh, uh, there was some good songs, uh, a few that I and, and and I have to say my first Kiss concert was the Animalized tour. Okay. And uh, that was around eighty four. Okay. And then I saw them again. Yeah. The first time I saw them was without makeup. Yeah. Because I wasn't going to. Yeah, I know. I know. I never got to see them with makeup until the reunion tour in like 97. They did that. And then uh, I saw them again two years ago on this farewell tour they've been they've been doing now that's been interrupted because of COVID. But uh, let me tell you something just real quick. That show two years ago. At the Nassau Coliseum. I took Sandy um, with me. Yeah, you said it was very good. Okay, it was fucking awesome. All right, and um, Rick Rivets was supposed to go with me to that, and sadly passed away, so it was a very bittersweet moment for me to go. And, and, uh, but taking my wife was great. And uh, I, I know I've talked about this in some other episodes of The Rock Show, but it... It showed to me that shit, man, after like 45 years, these guys still got it. You know, I mean, they got it. They sounded perfect. I know Ace and Peter are not in the band anymore. And there's other guys, Tommy Thayer and Eric Singer, wearing the makeup. Those and, guys and, are as good as the original. Those guys are uh, as m- good m- as musically, the mus- Musically, I, I can't argue with that. No, not at all. I mean, I mean it's, you know, the, 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 the solos that, that Ace would do, Tommy does them, does them good. Uh, I, you know, let's just let's just go there for a second. All right. Yeah. Why did it? Why did he add the like the other one, the the wolf or the fox or whatever? It sucked. They should just yeah. When, the guy that right. Dies. Right. When when Eric when uh, 
it was Eric Carr. Okay, was a was a fox. Okay, playing drums when when Peter left, and then they had uh, Vinnie Vincent playing uh, the ace part, but he had a Egyptian unk on his head. Uh, I don't know. I think that they felt that that they the fans wouldn't like wouldn't like the them and anybody else in those costumes. But then years later, they would do it anyway. Yeah, okay, they just so changed anyway. They changed it. They changed their position on it. Uh, Vinnie Vincent was a problem anyway because he really was 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 his guitar solos used to go on way too long. Yeah, and and Paul used to have to kind of chill him out a little that bit. Was, yeah, yeah, that that's not going to fly. What do you think of the guy that died? Eric Carr. Eric Carr was 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 a very good drummer. Very good. Drummer. Very good drummer and very devoted to the band. Dude, I didn't and, realize that the uh, Bill and Ted. I'm rock and roll to you. Yeah. Okay. And that was like, I didn't That was when that Eric was dying of cancer. That. Yeah, he was dying of cancer. Uh, and he, you know, he, he like they, they showed in the, in the show, he really wasn't up to doing that video and stuff. But he did it, and he, requ- he was afraid that they were going to replace him. And, you know, he gave it all. For the, for, the, for, the, for the band, including his life, really, because yeah. he really probably shouldn't have been there, but he but he did it. And uh, I always thought he was a good drummer. Um, I was never a big Bruce Kulik fan. Uh, he's okay. Uh, I did yeah. see him live. Uh, but at, they were different in the 80s. It was like, I always felt that they had some good songs, like Heaven's on Fire, yeah. Tears are falling. I thought those were good tracks. Lick it up. That was a good track. Uh, but that's the songs they were putting out as singles. When you when you listen to the albums in most of the eighties, it kind of left you a little little bit like you know something was missing. But you know they've been around for so long, and they know now what what to do, and they really do concentrate live now when you see them on the oldest stuff. And they do throw some, some new ones in there. They'll do lick it up. Okay. And they'll do, uh, you know, maybe, maybe tears of fall and something like that, but they don't get into the deeper tracks that they did in the eighties. They concentrate more on the seventies, but you know, I wanted to mention something. What's your opinion on this? Why do you think that for the last 40 years that kiss fans are divided into people that are, for Ace and Peter or Gene and Paul. And, you know, what do you think of that whole thing? What do you think of it? The question. I think, you know, and I hate to say it, it ain't have much to do. These guys are two nerds that were sitting on the table. Girls didn't like it. Now they're getting fucked. They're getting the dicks up. And they wanted to take the shit out there. And Ace and Peter burned them out. Yeah. But I, but I my, my question my question really is about. I know you wanted about... to shit on you wanted to shit on them, but me I, I would have been the kind of guy to be like, dude, we're doing much. We need to show the fuck out. You know what? And 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 I can agree with you with that. Okay, but my my problem with with Ace and Peter. Look, you want to party, want to get high, whatever you're doing. Okay, just don't let it fuck up the band. And they let it fuck up the band. Now, yeah. when you're doing 300 shows, which you should have done 150 shows, 
You know what? You need to get on loose. It's a little bit of your character. You need to relax. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't, I can't argue with you there. But I don't put the blame on Gene and Paul as much as some other people do. I don't I, think I, it's. I don't think. I don't think it's a cause. Were they greedy? Were they greedy? Were they greedy? Or were they just? Why is that greedy? Wanting to to put out more material, work on more albums for your fans, or play more shows for your fans. Of course, you get paid. The problem is people get married. People grow a family. People want to be with a family once in a while. You got to get people around. Yeah. Okay. And and you know what? And you know what? Paul admitted that. I think Paul was even more of the we need to tour a lot kind of guy. He admitted that in the show. Paul needed that. He said he needed it. As as Paul needed that, he didn't know what to do with himself. And you know what? I'm going to say this. Paul was insecure. Maybe, and I guess Gene, if he didn't bang a chick every night, was insecure. Problem. He needed to get his chick. He needed to. And fucking, fucking Gene didn't even know who he was when they took the makeup off. So fuck Gene too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and but but Gene and Gene and Paul admitted these things in the show. Okay, yeah. Now, why couldn't Ace and Peter come on? All right, now they said... Why should they they do that? Fuck them. They got kicked out. Fuck them. They they asked them to come on. Okay, they did go to them, asked them to come on, and they had outrageous demands, according to the Paul Stanley podcast I saw. But they had outrageous demands with the the, the reunion show. I knew... Styrofoam. What the fuck? This yeah, place? I mean, how do you how do you fuck up twice in the band? You know why they did that? that? Cause, and this is the only time I'm gonna agree with Paul Stanley. You left the band. You fuck yourself. Now you yeah. wanna come back? You need a contract. Yeah, and, and it was part I of the contract was. I can't part... trust you to play a show. I be drunk. Fuck you! You left. Part of the I contract was not get. Yeah, part of the contract was not getting lumped yeah. up, and they they couldn't stick to it. And I think that a lot of it was to just and 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 just like that episode of the Tomorrow Show where where Ace is drunk and Peter's cracking up and 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 Peter and not I mean uh, and Gene and, and Paul are squirming. Paul says that the reason that they were laughing was because they were laughing at them squirming, and I think that. You know, they broke that contract in the reunion tour, probably to break balls. And okay, I get it. That's I break balls all the time. But when you're gonna get thrown out because of it and then you get thrown out, don't act surprised. You know what I mean? That it just wasn't gonna work. But think I, about I, the MTV reunion that that unplugged. Great album. Great album. Peter Chris I came back. Guys Ace, together Ace came. Then. Yeah. I mean I I, I, I don't know. You know, it, 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 I don't know which side to blame more. I, I think both sides really are to blame. Uh, but you're right. I mean, if they, if Gene and Paul, definitely Paul, wanted to tour all the time. Uh, if you have a drug addiction problem, alcohol addiction problem, that's not going to help you being on tour away from home all year long. Okay? So I think that that compounded uh, Ace and Peter's problems. Okay, but again, you know, I, I feel that when you're at that level, when you're a, a multi-platinum band like that, or even if you're not, you, you, you have a responsibility to your fans. 
and you got you you have to put on a good show every night. And uh, there were times when Ace and Peter were fucked up. I of course, do but that. when you do 20, 30 shows yeah, back to back, I, I, I know. And I, we could, could have this conversation. It yeah, I mean, like, we could have this conversation all all night, and you could always go back to yeah, but they're playing too much. So I, yeah. I get you, I get you, I get you, but I still feel that you know the, the idea of I don't know uh, the the idea of them being. But Mike, you know, they could have also got somebody else to put the makeup, not to the fan, and nobody would have noticed. <laughs> I really believe that. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. To possibly, but they did that, of course, eventually. Yeah, they right? did it eventually. Yeah. So what the yeah. fuck? I it's like know, you know what? You're playing three hundred. You know what? Gene, Paul and Gene needed this. These guys were nerds that got picked on. That they had deformity, and they didn't know where they were in the place in the world. Until they met each other and they started kissing and started making money. But at the end of the day, they have families. But again, how much do the family really like them? Think Who about knows? fucking I Sharon I, Tree. I, I, Sharon Tree was making so. He wasn't with Shannon. He wasn't with Shannon then. Okay. Uh, but when he, he met her, think about he yeah. didn't have anything. When he met her, how many porno movies did she do or softball? Quite a few. Yeah. But they had an open relationship, you know what I mean? That that wasn't, uh, you know, that wasn't like really a problem. And that was and it like goes after back to that, that we were meeting gone. girls, we were going orgies. These guys had the time of their life. Yeah, we're fucking. You got fucking. You got you got Peter and Ace that just want to get fucked up. Yeah, but you know, you also got obligations. You have tours. You have things you got to do. Movies they were making. And they just didn't give a fuck about it. So I, they got to the point we're working yeah. too much. It's like being, you know what? Sometimes people need to realize we're doing too much. We need to take a little break. They're yeah. making millions of dollars. The, mo- the money's coming in. Take a fucking break. How much money do you need? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, Rob. So hope everybody enjoyed the podcast and our little review of Kistory. Where can we uh, where can we find you, Rob? If we need to talk to you, uh, anything getting lumped up? That's what I got, Mike. Where can I find you? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as usual, you can find me on Instagram, Rocker Mike Two One Two. You can find me on Cloud Hub and MeWe under Rocker Mike, and of course Facebook, the Rock Show Podcast Group Page, and Rocko Mike. That's my regular page, Rocko Mike. And to everybody else, we love you. We need you. Fuck you. Thank you. Don't get lumped up. Get drunk. <laughs> get drunk. <laughs> See you next week. Take care, people. <laughs>
Let's get lumped up on the rock show.